Where? Later in the packet. here this morning. We're, we're in a study now of the, of the Holy Spirit because in our studies in Mark we ended up in John and John is the only one who gives the details of the last evening with the Lord before he goes to the cross. And so the 13th through the 17th chapters of John we have a portion of scripture that mostly is not in the rest of the Bible. That's why John is not so much of a synoptic gospel. He stands alone. A friend of mine pointed out not long ago, we were talking one morning, he's a, he was a pastor, and he said, if you read very carefully the first sentence of the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you look at that carefully, it says, in the beginning was the Word. If you look up true meaning of that, it's the plan. And it, it, it says this, if you read it carefully, in the beginning was the plan, and the plan was from God. And the plan was Jesus. And so that's why John's gospel is different than the others. John is just telling us the plan. We see the ministry of Christ in different aspects in the gospel, but John's laying out the plan. And so this morning I want to go through this with you. The fivefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. Once you come to Jesus Christ and, and are born again, if that really is a transaction that happened in your life, and people ask me, are you trying to cause doubt? I am not, but I'm telling you, in the last day, there will be those who were not truly born again that talked about it. They talked a good fight, but they never had the relationship with Jesus Christ. Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. And that word knew has the same root as Adam knew Eve and the conceive and bear a son and do what you want with that, but it's about an intimate relationship. Jesus Christ is going to say to many people who are religious, didn't we cast out demons? Uh, you done a lot of that lately? Have we done many wonderful works in your name? And, and have you done that lately? A lot of religious people are going to stand before the Lord and told this, depart from me workers of iniquity, sinful workers, we just simply have no relationship. Oh, you were religious enough, you weren't relation enough, and that's the problem. Now, that's a message that makes a lot of people angry. Well, I'd rather you get angry and try to prove me wrong and find out that you're the one that's wrong than to just ignore it. Indifference is terrible in the face of Jesus Christ. Indifference is terrible. And so we'll open now with a prayer. If you would pray with me as we begin our message. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming together. We thank you for this time and ask that you would by your Holy Spirit push out all the cares of this life. Help us to concentrate, to meditate, to open our understanding by your Spirit to the things that you have for us. Lord, help us to appropriate your truths in our life by your, again, power given by your Spirit. Give us courage, give us understanding. Lord, give us peace in this crazy world. We ask now that you be with us this hour. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so we deviated some. We were in John chapter 15 and 16, and Jesus Christ said, I, it's expedient for you that I go away, that I'll send another comforter, and he will come. And, and, um, and he has, and they, he was sent. 
And you read that in the second chapter of the book of Acts, he came at Pentecost. But here are the five things. Here are the five things that the Holy Spirit does. Today we go through the five, the five ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And I want to preface this with this idea that the Holy Spirit has a five-fold ministry for us. It's not very visible to the rest of the world that he's doing these things, and so what's the problem? Is, it, is the Holy Spirit weak and unable to do uh, his ministry? Or could the problem lie with us? And I'm telling you that revival comes in the days when the church, the, the uh, real church, revival comes in the days when the church influences the world. Apostasy comes in the days when the world influences the church. Now where do you think we stand? I'm telling you, we are being called out. The world is calling us out and few are answering the call. And a lot of reasons for that, and some, some of it is this, what the churches have been teaching for 50 years, what it means to be nice, be kind. We need to get over that and be right. Uh, you take that how you want, but I'm telling you this. Study the Bible. Study the Bible. Here are the five, I'm going to name them quickly, we're going to go through them. The five ministries of the Holy Spirit are regeneration, baptism, indwelling, sealing, and filling. Those are the five ministries. One more time. Number one, regeneration. Number two, baptism. Number three, indwelling. Number four, sealing. And number five, filling. I'm going to read a number of verses today from the Bible because I want you to see that I'm not making this up. I want you to see where it's at so you can further your studies. If you're not real familiar with your Bibles, take notes and take addresses and go back later for your study. But we start with the Holy Spirit upon salvation, upon you and I crying out to the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner, save me. Which you're born again, if you're truly born again, the things that the Bible says about a new believer, is that you are now sealed by the Holy Spirit. The regeneration, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see that? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. No one will be in heaven that can brag on how they got there. Nobody's going to say, I'm here because I. Everyone in heaven will say, I'm here because He. Amen. I'm here because Jesus Christ died for my sins. He paid my sin debt. Not only did He pay my sin debt, I'm here this morning, I'm here in heaven today because He gave me grace through His mercy to believe. Read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and 5 through 5. He said, He gives us the grace to believe. That's where it says a person might ought not think too highly of themselves. Now, we've got a world of folks who have a problem with this, thinking more highly than they ought to think of themselves. We were in Colossians in the Sunday school hour, the fourth, fourth chapter, first verse. And Paul says to the Colossians, You better be kind to everybody around you if you're in authority of any kind, because we know this we also have a master in heaven. We'll stand before him one day and give an account for how we led ourselves 
and how we governed ourselves. But regeneration comes. This is what the word regeneration means. It's a rebirth. The state or the act that is renovation. Specifically, the messianic restoration, regeneration. It's a rebirth. It's a restoration to regeneration. You remember the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus recorded in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. First he says he cannot see the kingdom. This time he says water and Spirit necessary for entering the kingdom. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say that he must be born again. Folks, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. When the Bible says the Holy Spirit enters into us and seals us into the day of redemption, it promises this one thing, that we become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. How many people do you know living like this? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this a while now, and I see a lot of people every day. I see about 150 people a day. And I mess with every one of them that I can. It's my job. People are not seeing the difference of Christians and unbelievers. It's not very visible. Can you, can you agree with me? This world's a hot mess. Oh, it's a mess. It's a mess. And I want to tell you what fear is the uh, emotion of the day. Fear. You walk downtown and sneeze and it's going to look like, <laughs> oh, uh, that person sneezed. For a weapon of mass destruction. They should not be free anymore. Folks, can I tell you this? The world is not seeing the difference between born again through regeneration of the Holy Spirit and those that have no idea what it is. The lines have been blurred. I'm not here this morning to beat on you. I'm here to tell you what I've observed and what people tell me. And the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done. You know what? When we get that one phrase in our soul, it's not about me. That one phrase, it's not about how good I am or how good I look or what you think of me. It's not about that. It's about this, what I think of him. You know what comes in? Gratitude. When we, when we understand it's not about us, Gratitude is able to come in. Outside of that understanding, gratitude cannot come in because if you think it's about how good you are, you deserve, 
You have a deserve mentality. But I know this about me. If I were to read a list of my sins to you, we wouldn't get to go home today from here. But God loves me anyway. And because I ask him, he's washed me clean of those sins. I've asked him. Thanks the Lord. First John 1 9. I confess he forgives. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I forget, I confess, and he forgives. And so I know it's not about my righteousness and I'm going to heaven one day, but can you imagine meeting him face to face? He regenerates us by the washing of regeneration. Number two, we have a ministry of the Holy Spirit called baptism. Romans 6 and 3 says, Know ye not, <laughs> Paul said, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know this little thing. You remember when we did baptism a couple years ago over here at the other church? Yeah. <laughs> this little galleria is a, we have a horse tank. Some people balked at that. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm standing outside that cold water. I don't know why. We went over here and had seven or nine baptisms the other day. Yeah. But you see what that is? <laughs> Denise, it was what? Cold water. Cold water. Yeah, the heater wasn't working. He forgot to tell us that. I was in for all of them. When we get out, your legs are blue and they're born again. But I tell you this about the baptisms. Not one person that went down that water and came up was any more saved than when they went down. No, that's not what it does. It doesn't save you. It doesn't keep you saved. It doesn't make God love you more. But it sure pictures who we are in Christ. It's a picture that we died with Him, we're buried with Him, and rose to the newness of life. Does the world know it? I know so many Christians who are born again, and the Bible says we have this joy unspeakable, and it sure is, because they're not speaking it. They have this joy unspeakable. Their face hasn't got the memo that they're happy. Their face has not gotten the memo that they're in a joyful place in Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing. No, you not, Paul said. Don't you know that you're buried with Christ? 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink of one Spirit. Galatians 3 and 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then the last one is Colossians 2 and 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein ye also are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised us from the dead. How many of you remember the first two verses of Romans chapter 12? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. What's God going to do with a dead sacrifice? Paul says, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he says this. That's only reasonable, folks. 
It's not out of reason to do that. It's not unreasonable to present yourself and get up every morning and say, good morning, Lord, here am I. Here I am. Remember when Paul met him? Paul met him and he gave us, he gave us the formula, who art thou, Lord, and what will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? Paul gave us the formula of proper relationship with Christ upon the meeting. We meet him every morning anew. We meet him fresh. His mercies are new every morning. Let me ask you a question this morning. You read that. Present your bodies a living sacrifice as a reasonable service. And he said, now be not transformed, be not conformed, be not conformed. That is shaped to this world. Don't let the world mold you. You think I, do you think for a minute that I have not had people come at me for what my beliefs are? I know you have. I know you have. I work in a place that I own. I own the business. And I had this Bible laying on my station one day, and a woman walked up about 130 years old. She walked up, a skeletal thing that she was, just about transparent now. Old enough to know better is my point. She walked up and my Bible was laying there. Someone had asked me a question, and I said, let me show you what the Lord said about that. How many of you know he answers better than I do? I said, what the Lord said about that? And I read it to them, and we had that conversation. Woman walked through there. I'm offended because of that Bible laying there. <laughs> That's the world we're in now. I am offended because of the Bible on your station and your business, and I'm, my taxes are paid, by the way. I'm not in prison. I'm free. And she was offended because my Bible was laying there. Now, she and I have had this talk too many times over the last 20 years. And I said, well, and you know what I told her? You know what I told her? I'm offended at your offense. She couldn't breathe. <gasps> I am offended that you're offended. Take that home and get about 160. You don't get this? Every time someone comes up against Christianity, we have to back down? Uh, no. I said, man, this is my business. This is my Bible. And that's a person that asked me about something. You don't like it, the door's right there. There's a big world outside. Go. And you know what she said? My husband's a professor. Well, you can overcome anything. I, I'm not going to hold that against her. My husband's a professor with a doctor's degree. Folks, no, no. The Bible's clear. You're going to either live out the life of the Holy Spirit or you're not but you're going to meet the Christ one day and give an account for your life here. We're all being told in this world now what to think, how to think, and what our behavior should be. We should be the kindest people on the planet. We should be the most fun people on the planet. There should be a joy, an overriding joy in Christians that the world marvels at. But I'm not going to be ashamed that I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. Will you? Are you going to be ashamed? You know what the Bible says? 
listen carefully now and think about this. I don't care who you think you are, what you think your title is. Jesus said, if you're offended in me, if you're offended at me, when I return, guess what? I'm going to be offended at you before the Father. I'm going to have to tell the Father they were offended because of the truth. Why? If your answer is, I have a degree, there's something terribly wrong between your heart and your head. The message didn't make it. And it's all under the guise of a spiritual dilemma. Spiritual. Spiritual. Someone comes and sticks a bony finger on my nostrils and says, I, I don't want you to behave that way. I'm not doing anything against the law. I'm not yet. It's, but I'm not doing anything immoral or against the law. In fact, frankly, none of her business. But she called one of my associates and just read up and down one side the other that I didn't buckle to her demand immediately, publicly, and apologize for being a Christian. No. Not today. And I'm not planning on it tomorrow either. Because I've been regenerated. I've been baptized in the Spirit. And this is the third one that his ministry is. He indwells Christians. He indwells Christians. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Did you know that? We live in a church now that if you say the Bible says, if you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit lives in you, how can you join that to a harlot? And that has a wide, wide meaning. That goes to everything from immorality that you would think of immediately to not paying your taxes, not living above board, not living a transparent life before the whole world and said, this is what Jesus did for me. This is how I live because I'm the son of the king. All of this we're talking about is a kingdom mentality. All of it. How to live in the kingdom. No, you're not. That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Jesus stood up. Remember Jesus stood up at the feast, John chapter 7. Here's what he said. In the last day he stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out, out of his belly. Because of the internal work. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it says parenthetically then that this he spake of the Spirit. Because the Holy Ghost had not yet been given. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the indwelling spirit of a regenerated person? It's to control this new nature we've been given. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Paul said to the church of Galatia, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then there have this ministry of the Holy Spirit of sealing. He seals us. Now this doctrine gets me in trouble with a lot of people who have been brought up different and it doesn't matter. 
but this is the doctrine that the Bible teaches, I think very clearly is, the reason you can't go to hell if you're born again, you cannot go there, you're not going to go there. If you're born again, you can't go to hell, and there's a reason is you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're not going. God's not going to send the Holy Spirit to hell. And you're sealed. He now in you, He fills you, He's baptized you, He regenerates you, He's sealed now. Until what? The Bible says the day of redemption. You're sealed of the Holy Spirit. He's in there. He's in there. He seals us. Ephesians 1 and 13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's Ephesians 1 and 13, 4 and 30 says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. You look that up and what does that mean? It refers to His presence being with you. Folks, you understand this. You hear this this morning. I don't know what your, what your Bible time is and your prayer time and your, and your time alone with the Lord is. But I'm telling you, I pretty much won't start without it. There's no more emergencies in my life. I don't believe in them anymore. I don't believe in emergencies. They're very rare. Many, many, many of the phone calls I get in the morning I need to leave and get away from my study time and my prayer time are false. They're not really emergencies. I will go to a car wreck. I will go to the hospital. I will go, but I'm not going to go because someone said this is an emergency. And mostly you get there and they're giggling at you. I, don't, I, I actually think it's demonic to pull you away from the time with the Lord. And that's my time, and I tell people that. They call me. But can I say this to you? Do you, if you do not understand and not feel and not know what I'm talking about when I say the presence of the Lord, I wouldn't leave, I wouldn't go home today without begging God for the understanding of that. What it means to be in His presence. What it means to be taught of the Lord. What it means to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. What it means to have the author, the author of the book, explain to you what the Bible is about. What does that mean? We have the author inside, sealed inside of us, who's waiting to tell us what the Bible is about. And you know what he says? The Lord said, I'm going to send you a comforter who will teach you all things. It doesn't make any difference how much Bible you know if you don't understand what it's talking about. And can I tell you another fact? This will, this will rip your head a little bit. It's not about how smart you are, because you're simply not. You're not as smart as you think you are if you think you will figure out the Bible with your head. It's a spiritual heart issue. The Holy Spirit reveals smart people. I'm, I, I live in a university town with people around me with all kinds of degrees. Mostly they mock the Word of God. Now tell me that's smart. Not smart. Can they regurgitate information? I mean that's a, that's a gift for a lot of people. Can I tell you this? The sealing of the Holy, Holy Spirit is this indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an influence. He is a person with an influence. But he's a person. Now, I have a lot of pastor friends and we have a lot of fun with each other, but I want to say this. Some churches make too much. I'm not 
of the Holy Spirit, but make too much of the doctrines of who they are because. And others ignore it altogether because they look at fanaticism as what they call it and don't teach. This seal in the Bible of the Holy Spirit is referred to as an earnest, a pledge. It's a part of the given advance for the security for the rest one day. He is the earnest of our salvation. The Holy Spirit living in you, sealed in you. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and 22 says, Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And then we have the filling. The filling of the Holy Spirit. Now can I say this to you? Let me read. Regeneration and baptism and dwelling and sealing are the first four ministries we mentioned. They are all once and done. When you get saved, you're regenerated, you're baptized, you're indwelt, and you're sealed of the Holy Ghost. You're sealed. It's a one-time transaction. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a Bible command. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, listen to what it says. This is the comparison given in Ephesians when Paul says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a similarity in the action and behavior of these two people, but you notice when you go by the liquor store, it says wine and spirits. When I was in Africa some years ago now, five years ago, when I was in Africa, I want to tell you, I went there completely completely misguided on what was going to happen when I got there. Completely ignorant of what was going to go on. Totally outside my realm of understanding. And I thought I was going to preach the gospel to a bunch of people who were ignorant of it and were heathens and they were pygmies and they were eating people in cauldrons. And when I got there, I met the most spiritual people that I've ever met in my life. Way advanced to America. Way advanced. You want to know why? They need over there. They need and they know. The gospel was open to them. They told me how to go home and minister to this United States of America. You know what they had? They had a spirit of humility and understanding of who they were and were not. Remember 9 11? How many people told me, I can't believe this happened to America? Really? Why? Because we're America. But why? Because we're, we're America. I can't believe something like that could happen. <laughs> Wait till you find out what happened. I'll tell you something. Listen now. The world around us, most of the world knows better our position in the world than we do. That's right. Most of the world has a better understanding of where we're at than we do. Most of them. And it's not even close. We are now a mockery to the world. Right now, America's a mockery to the world. There are people dancing in streets, chanting in lines around the world saying, those people are stupid. I mean, they can't even see right in front of their face. And we have people from our country over there saying, well, they can't, but they won't admit it. Folks, admit it. <laughs> admit it soon and repent. 
we have left the understanding of our need of God. We've left it. God put some things in his book. God laid some principles and foundations and doctrines down that he said, this is the way it's going to be or else you won't prosper. Now we're getting memos at the office every day that we need to go along with and do this and do that and think this way, think about it this way, think of it this way. And if our behavior doesn't coincide, guess what? There will be ramifications. And they're all against Scripture. And I'm telling you straight up, I don't in, I'm not in your business, I don't run your business, I run mine, but I'll tell you this straight up, it won't work. It won't work. When God put a formula in play, it's the only way it will work. Amen, brother. Men and women for ages past have gone against God's formulas. In our Wednesday, in our Wednesday night Bible class, we're looking at Joshua right now. To the class, I want to say this, you people. I want you to answer these questions as you study now as we look at the character of Joshua. Why did God call him to do what he called him to do? Why did God call Joshua? And you see, God himself, in, the, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, God says, this is the formula for success. God said that. I've been to seminars all my life about how to be successful. And if it didn't agree with that, it wasn't right. What's God's formula for success? Speak. Don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. Meditate therein day and night, that you may be able to do according to all that is written therein. And he said, then you will make your way pop prosperous, and then you will have good success. Amen. And I live in a world that's smarter than that. Not going to do it. Well, folks, I'm done with being afraid and being fearful. The little that I watched the last year and a half, I'm done with the dictates of control. You know what? God said, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And I stood back in my office, in my business, for a year and a half now, and I'm going to tell you something I've observed. Fear and anger use the same language and have the same vocabulary. you believe that? Fear and anger have the same vocabulary, same verbiage, same body language, you want to know why? Because they're the same thing. They're the same thing. But we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said. This is the formula of being filled with the Spirit. He said, be not drunk with wine, whereas it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. They look alike. Being drunk and being filled with the Spirit look alike. That's right. It's an influence in your body. And here's what he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, in the name of the Father, and submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So what's the formula given now? If you look at the verses, what's the formula for being filled with the Spirit? Speaking, giving, and submitting. What's going to happen if you're filled with the Spirit of God? Some old woman comes in and says, I don't like what you're doing, having a Bible there. You go, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to offend you. 
why are Christians the only ones in the world that can't be offended? I don't get that. Now, again, I want to say this to you. The filling of the Spirit does not mean that you get more of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit of God does not mean that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It means He gets more of you. Submitting. Yielding. Get that? Being filled with the Spirit of God. It's no, it's no crazy doctrine of something to be afraid of and you have to start rolling around and foaming at the mouth and, and talking crazy. That's not what it's about. It's about this allowing the Holy Spirit inside of you now to take over and do the directing of your life. You live now through His guidance. You live through His guidance. Now I'm going to close with one thing, and it's what the world's doing now. And I've never seen so much backlash in my life as I have this last three or four years. We live in an angry world. We live in a world of anger. Anger. And there are people that would say I'm preaching an angry message. They don't get, they don't understand what this, they just flat don't understand people. Listen, the first four we talked about. The first four ministries we talked about, they give us peace with God. The last one, the fifth one we talked about today, the filling gives us the peace of God. Now, you look at me and tell me how many people you know out there claim to be Christians and they have a peace of God, but really, there are a few, there are some. How many that claim to be Christians have the peace of God? Not concerned about what's going on in the world? <laughs> have you heard the latest? No, neither have you. <laughs> have you heard what's going on? You're hearing somebody's idea, yeah? Have you heard? Have you heard? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, I was in the Bible, sorry. What are you, what are you knowing? Well, something's going to happen shortly in the last nine years, oh, tomorrow. Something's going to happen tomorrow for the last nine years that's going to change it all. I kind of give you a secret. There is something going to happen to change you all. And when, it, when, the, when the door is open, folks, I was introduced to the underworld in Africa. I went over there and three good men took me aside and it was a week of absolute sweating and, and like almost out of my mind. And, and, uh, it's like an illusion it was the strangest thing I'd ever been through. They introduced me. They said, are you ready for this? We want to take you somewhere. They took me to the spirit world. They took me to the spirit world. I've never recovered. They took me to places I've never been and don't want to go back. And they took me there and said, I'm going to show you some things that your country, they're dabbling in, they're laughing at, they're mocking, they're using it. They, they use it for formulas of marriage and things. It's all from the underworld and it's all Luciferian and it's very dark. It changed my world. It changed my preaching. It changed my life. It changed my perception of everything. Can I tell you this this morning? What's going on under this earth is greater than what's going on top of this earth. What's going on under this world? And Paul said, Paul said, and you tie it together when you start seeing it. I've read Ecclesiastes all of my adult life and, and, and the thing that Solomon, the wisest man, said over and over was this, under the sun. 
Let me tell you about the things that are happening here under the sun. Under the sun. And it's this. That we're living in a universe that's spoken into existence by God himself. And it's about vibration and light. It's about vibration and light. And when we learn the secrets that God gave Tesla, and it's not far away. Not far away, folks. I'm telling you this, it's not far away about two-thirds of this planet's going to lose their minds. You want to know why? They don't have them now. It's going to be visible that this world is going to lose its ever-loving mind. Unable to cope. Can't go on, folks. We're going to have to heal some people. We're going to have to be part of the, of the campaign to heal some people. Africa took me there. I was on a flight, overnight flight, 11 hours and 45 minutes before I got off the plane and kissed the ground at JFK. Oh, thank God I came back. Oh, it's dark there. Oh, they showed me some things. And as I was praying about what they showed me over there and where they took me, and the places I was, I was, what I saw there, I said, why God, why, why? He said, you're going to need to be able to tell some people that it's coming to a theater near you in your town. And it's going to be real raw, big. You laugh at that, mock me, call me a liar. A year from now, call my number and say, hey, hey, hey. We're not going to believe what God's doing right now. I told you back in the I told you back in the winter months that the Lord told me in a vision one night in my bed. That's where He talks to me. Call it what you want. The Lord told me when the grass turns green and the leaves begin to bud, it's over. Can I tell you something? I believe when the grass turned green and the leaves begin to bud, it was over. We just haven't seen what was over yet. You know what He said? It's a done deal. I got this. I got this. I don't run to the news every five minutes, and I don't sit, I'm not mesmerized by my telephone. And I'm not mocking you if you are, but I'm saying this. God told me and settled in my heart, I've got this thing. But he said this to me. It's going to get real black before it gets light. And there's going to be a lot of people who can't handle it. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by God. And it's up to us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He doesn't, it's not possible to get more of him than he gave us when we got saved. But it is possible for us to give more of ourselves to him, be under his control, yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. That's a spirit-filled life. Hand in a glove. The glove can do nothing until the hand fills the glove. It can look like it has a hand, it looks just like it has a hand, but it can do nothing until it's filled. What do you and I do without the Holy Spirit's? How do we lose the feeling? The feeling comes and goes, folks. It comes and goes at our behavior. First lesson, uh, First Thessalonians 5 and 19 says, quench not the spirit. That's not doing what the spirit would have us to do. Ephesians 4 and 30 says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. That is doing what the Holy Spirit would not have us do. 
We quench him by not doing what he'd have us to do. We grieve him by doing those things he says not to do. And folks, we close this morning with, I'm telling you straight out, person to person, this is my testimony. Preaching that truth has made me hated in my circles today. You know what that's called in a nutshell? It's called disobedience. Is that, is that a serious matter, by the way? Is disobeying the Holy Spirit's promptings in your life, is that, a, is that serious? Or, or is, it, is, it, is it funny? Is it funny? I got a, I got a daughter living like a tramp. <laughs> your granddaughter is living outside the bonds of what Christ said and you think it's cute because it's your granddaughter? You should care more about that than anybody else on the planet. And I say this. Here's my line. Here's my line to the that's not going to go well. That is not going to turn out well. Just because just because the group of the world turns against and makes fun of and makes light of even within the church of the things that God commanded. Remember what he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so the opposite is true. If you don't love me, you just won't keep them. Here's what can happen when we're done. I promise this morning. First Corinthians says, Paul said to this one, and this was immoral. This is immorality. There are several reasons and ways you can do this. He said, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now you go back and read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and this is a boy taking immorality. He was with his stepmother living with her as a married couple or whatever, however you want to look at that. He was indulging with his stepmother and Paul said, better he die in the flesh that his spirit may live. You know what Paul, what did Paul mean? What did, what did, what did he have a hateful moment and go, here's what needs to happen there. You know what he said? I've seen both sides of this. It would be better for that boy to die. Prematurely. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says, this cause, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That's taking lightly the communion. Taking lightly the Lord's table. Make you sick. Kill you. Peter, uh, Acts 5 and 3, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Hypocrisy. You know what Paul said at the end? We're done with this one. Paul said this. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 7 says this. Paul said, this is why I run. This is why I preach like I do. This is why I minister as I do. I so run, not as uncertainty, so I fight not as one that beat at the air. But I keep under my body and bring it to subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached unto others, I myself should be a castle.
tell you when God called me to preach, I told him no. I'm not going to do it. You want to know why? Because of how it is today. Folks, we're in a place where, this, I'm telling you this, we're in, we're in a place of, we're in a train wreck. We're in a bad spot. We're in a bad spot. What is telling fathers how to train their children? What it says of wives about loving their husbands? What the Bible says of children about obeying their parents? What it says of those who have any control of authority anywhere in any business on how they're to treat the people under them? It's all become a mockery. It's all become a mockery. I went to work on Thursday, I'm sorry, Tuesday. September 11th, I went to work at the real estate office and I walked in the door. Weird. I'd gotten in my car and driven to the office before all that news happened. And the, uh, the main broker, the owner of the company, called me and said, partner, come in here, I want to talk to you. I went in there and there were seven other realtors standing around holding hands, watching television, and the second plane came around. watching the first building burned it. I didn't know what I walked in on. I didn't know the news. And the second one came around and the broker was an older man who said to me, partner, that's all he ever called me. Partner, I believe that was an act of war. If the first one was an accident, the second one must have been an act of war. And I said, I don't know what you're, I don't even know what's going on here. Wait till you find out. <laughs> you wait till you find out who led that war. But can I tell you this? I'll tell you this, the reaction was very solid in that day. You remember that? I mean, people walked around like zombies for an hour. We had, a, we had a regular business meeting and no one said anything. We just sat there for an hour and then left. I thought, oh, this is silly. I got up and left. I called the broker back and said, did you ever have a meeting? He said, no, we're not in the mind frame for that today. But here's what they said as soon as I got back to my office, to my office, as soon as, here's what I heard from all over the United States. How did this happen to us? Can I give you a secret this morning? The church is in the same place. We're going to very shortly look around and say this, how did this happen to us? And I'm telling you this morning, like the message, hate the message, it's a hard one to preach, but it's the truth of God. If we don't live under the authority, the power, the filling, the regeneration, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, folks, the rest of the world has no hope. If we don't show the world what it means to be born again, joy unspeakable, <laughs> name the person you believe that in. Oh, man. Now, that's an inner deal. I get that. <laughs> joy unspeakable. I can't express joy. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy is just from the inside out. Happiness, you, your happiness can be taken. You go out here and bump another car, your happiness goes away for a while. So will theirs. That's happening. That's happiness. My happiness is gone for a few minutes. But joy is that thing in a Christian. The whole world should be able to see and say, I don't know what you have, sister, but I want some. Where did you get that? Where did you get that? And this last three years, I've seen nothing but bulldog Christians. I mean, most of them out there look like they have something wrong with their internal tract. They look like they're suffering from some kind of blockage. 
Christian. Folks, we need we owe to Christ to share who he really is to a lost world. You believe that this morning? We owe it to him. Paul says, I'm a debtor three times in Romans chapter 1. Within six verses, Paul says three times, I'm a debtor. And I am too. I am too. I've had people I love dearly. Dearly get in my face and tell me how it's going to be with me and them from now on. Because I said this to them. Oh, this is hateful. You're doing what now? You know what? Oh, that's not going to go well. Not going to turn out well for you. Uh, I have God's word on it. And at 63, I lived through enough to say this. I've watched it fall apart doing what you're doing. And you're doing it because it's not working, by the way. You're doing it. I'm in real estate and there are three people you sell a house to. One. The people who believe they're going to find happiness beyond that next door. Two, people who get inside a house and run from room to room, avoiding each other. And then you have the third people who are these. No matter what room they're in, the other one comes in and follows them because they want to be in your presence. And the three kinds of people I've sold a house to for 25 years. People who think, always moving, always moving. There's going to be a different life behind that door. Not if you live in there, there's not. Not unless you make some changes. What do they call it? Investing. You allow the Holy Spirit, you, you ask Him in, you invite the Holy Spirit to control you. That's what the Bible says. It's a command. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you this morning and now. Again, we ask your blessings. We ask you to make us the people that you've called us to be. And when we say, the Bible says, what you're doing is not going to work. Lord, if it makes them mad, let them get mad. Because Lord, we know this. They need us to think about it. They need to think about it. And they'll stand before you one day and know that we love them better. We love them best. We told the truth. All the things you put into practice, all the things you put into play are going to be just as you said, no matter how we mess with it. Give us strength and understanding when we pray. Bless us in our days now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.